Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be. This is The Cryptid Journalist, and I'm bringing you another episode of our new podcast, Cryptid Cryptid, Read All About It. This is where we take a look at rare and obscure cryptid sightings throughout American history, 1870 to present, and research them through newspaper articles and newspaper article archives. These are the ones that are less than mainstream, the things that people see at the story just kind of went away or forgotten and are retold maybe only at cryptid conventions or other story or books that you might be able to find. This way, by looking through the newspaper archives, we get the research from eyewitness accounts of people who are actually there and try to bring you these stories to bring more interest into the cryptid world. This week, our episode is going to be about the infield monster. And this one's an interesting one to me because as mentioned in several earlier podcasts, I've been interested in cryptids my whole life. And as early as I was able to read, I was reading about these interesting things, as well as the UFOs and paranormal. Now, when I was 9 or 10 years old, and this would have been the late 70s, I remember reading about this cryptid uh, in a book at the library. And that may sound kind of normal or not very strange at all, but you got to remember in the late 70s, there wasn't any computers around that you could Google these things. And parents weren't really into letting their kids read about cryptids or encouraging that. And so when I was at the local library around Portland, Oregon, and I was able to find this huge book in the library, one of only three about cryptids, I read it cover to cover to cover several times. And this account of this unidentified creature was actually in that. And it has stuck in my mind because it was so bizarre all these many years. So let's get into it. It was April 1973 when an unidentified creature made an appearance in Enfield, Illinois. All the area newspapers covered the story in great detail. Many of them speculated at the time it was caused by a wild ape or an escaped kangaroo. Again, very common in the 70s trying to explain these things away as if there would be an ape or a kangaroo even in that area. That would be just as surprising if not bizarre. So the person we're going to focus on is Henry McDaniel and his wife. They've been actually out eating, having a good time, and they left their kids at home. Again, not uncommon in the 70s. They returned to their house about 9.30 that night and were met by two hysterical kids, the ones they'd left at home, Henry and Lil, who had a story that something had been trying to break into their house. They'd been hearing scratches at the front door and the back door and even the sides. Soon after that, Henry himself heard some strange noises. He went outside the family's front door, figuring maybe it was a cat or dog at the very least. But the reality of what he actually saw and ran into was truly bizarre. Being in a somewhat rural area, he kind of figured it might even be a bear rummaging through the house. So like I said, he headed outside into the windy night, gun and flashlight in hand, and immediately caught sight of something between a couple rose bushes in his yard. After the first couple of interviews later on, he added overall the thing's body was almost like a human body. What terrorized him the most was the overall description. He said it had three legs, a short body, and two little short arms, and most of all, two pink eyes. Yes, again, two pink eyes. A bit as big as flashlights. Maybe four and a half feet tall in his estimation. Well, again, he ran back into the house, grabbed his twenty-two pistol and a flashlight, and proceeded to fire on this creature four times. 
According to Henry, when I fired that first shot, I knew I hit it. The beast hissed at him. Most sources say it sounded rather like a bobcat or a wild animal. And then it proceeded to bound away in long leaps across the yard, eventually becoming lost to McDaniel's side as it made its way toward the railroad and the cover of trees further back beyond his lot. He asserted that he'd seen this thing cover 50 feet in three jumps, almost 20 feet per jump. Stunned by the encounter, Henry immediately called the police. Being around 10 o'clock on April 23rd, it took a little while for the police to get there. After he called the police, he went around his house and he found troubling scratches all over and even odd footprints in some bare areas around the house, which newspaper articles described as canine-shaped with six toe pads. The police report stated Mr. McDaniel to be rational and sober in the retelling of his encounter. However, as usually is the case, much of the law enforcement involved were fairly skeptical about the sighting, even though they had reports of a young boy being attacked 30 minutes later. The kid's story later was labeled a hoax by several people. But focusing on Henry McDaniel's account, the police came out and searched the house. Beyond the footprints and scratches, extensive searches actually turned up nothing. So as with all such incidents with a lack of further encounters, it kind of seemed to fade away for that night. However, McDaniel was not one to be stopped. He continued to try to convince all his friends, the general public, and anyone who would basically listen to the story about his strange encounter. In fact, just a couple of weeks later, on May 6th, he couldn't contain himself anymore, and he called a local radio show at WWKI and told the whole account about the creature and claimed he'd seen it again at 3 a.m. that very morning. Supposedly, it was wandering around those same railroad tracks near his home again. This time, he just stood and watched it without shooting it. His story this time was the creature took its time wandering up and down the grade, paying no attention to being watched, just carelessly meandering around the area. Incredibly, and probably what was a stunt for ratings, WWKI's news director, Rick Rainbow, joined and got together a search party later that day, and he actually reported seeing something of sorts. He said they observed an ape-like creature in a vacant building close to McDaniel's house. On the radio show he played later, he actually had recordings of the creature's cries and told his listeners he took a shot causing it to run away. Rainbow then milked the subject on the airwaves as much as he could, putting on several other listeners who claimed they saw the creature. Now in doing this on the radio station and McDaniel's accounts and these other folks who are counting, you know, coming in and, and telling the story, you can only imagine that the whole situation quickly degraded as it hit everyone through the newspapers and the radio. People from the immediate area became very enthusiastic about catching the creature, caused them to quickly overwhelm the scene being very intrusive. People started coming in droves from out of town, teenagers or hunters, often bringing with them uh, refreshments such as beer and liquor, and it, it really kind of caused a lot more turmoil than anything. Local Sheriff Poshert spoke to McDaniel about this and basically told him, to quit stirring things up, or he would literally be forced to throw him in jail. 
The months of May and June brought even larger crowds of the amateur monster hunters, which in turn really caused a lot of worry among the local citizens. It seemed that some were serious about tracking down whatever was lurking in the area, while others were just out there having a good time, were adrenaline junkies, or just were looking for something to do. All in all, the sheriff had to deal with some tipsy visitors engaged in unauthorized shooting who swore they saw the thing. But this was and still is a very rural area and barely rose to a warning. Shortly thereafter, once the frenzy of hunters and tourists had died down, another four people claimed they'd seen the infield horrible creature. Well, eventually things started quieting down and the numerous sightings of this creature kind of were pared down to a minimum, and the information just kind of died away. No real answer or good explanation was ever given to the infield monster. Though theories about ranging from a coyote with severe mange to UF activity reported in the imminent vicinity circulated. It became one of those things that people just talked around campfires or urban legends around the high schools, and Henry McDaniel was never given a whole lot of credibility to this. There was really nothing to answer why it preferred the McDaniel house or the railroad tracks, let alone its ability to survive the gunshots. Maybe it was just tired of the mistreatment at the hands of these rambunctious humans. The radio station lost interest when their viewers quit calling in and, and claimed that they had actually seen it, and people quit coming around uh, with the guns and the beer and so forth, and it just kind of faded off into history. It's a small incident that happened in 1973. After doing some deep research again through newspaper articles and, and even on the internet, there are two interesting side notes. One thing I'd like to point out, that a little over 40 years earlier, at the beginning of World War II, 1941-1942, less than 60 miles away from Enfield, there were several similar sightings in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Almost so similar, it's hard to believe it could be a coincidence. I'm not including much information, as a deep search of the newspaper archives revealed little to no follow-up, and the show is basically focused on eyewitness accounts and newspaper articles. I will say I did track down some information in John Keel's 2002 edition of The Complete Guide to Mysterious Beatings. He states in 1941, a Reverend Harpole had an ape-like creature actually knock a pipe out of his mouth as he was sitting in the yard hanging out just taking it easy for the evening. He made it across the yard in three jumps, quite a bit like what happened in Enfield, again, less than 60 miles away. Fort further states that throughout the next year, there were several eyewitnesses in Mount Vernon who observed an ape-like creature, and whenever they chased it, it would escape by making 20-foot ditches in a single bound. Large groups of men volunteered to chase this animal down, all in vain. All they found were large footprints and a trail of dead animals. As with the 1970s, after 1942, the stories of this creature just kind of dried up and went away. One further interesting scenario is that a lot of people in the scientific world started focusing on mass hysteria. And actually, for its worth, the 1973 events were used in a case study for a paper on social contagion. In 1978, sociologists cite the episode as an example of collective behavior where a group or a crowd can be affected by the spread of group emotions such as panics, hysterias, collective visions, 
and extreme instances of suggestibility. In other words, just chalking it up to mass hysteria. So like I do with all my podcasts, now it's your turn. What do you think? There is an awful lot of eyewitnesses that saw this in Enfield, Illinois in 1973. And Henry McDaniel would forever talk about this. Again, couldn't keep it inside, calling the radio station, letting his neighbors know. If you go back to the 1940s, less than 60 miles away, there were a lot of things seen that were exactly the same. A creature that could make things in a single bound, 20 feet at a time, doing incredible things, maybe not even, you know, an ape or a kangaroo could do, as someone tried to explain it away as. Or was this a case of mass hysteria? Some poor soul, Henry McDaniel, that is, coming up with a story and however he imagined it or however he looked at it, started telling things on the radio and the radio and the newspaper, and everyone just figured they started seeing it. This is not unusual with most types of cryptids. You know, a lot of people see it, a lot of people tell about it, and then a lot of people either believe it or don't believe it. You know, there seems to be no middle ground. So again, it's up to the viewer, up to the listener, up to what people think really happened. Did the people in Field, Illinois really see this creature with pink eyes as big as flashlights? Several swear to it in the newspaper. 1941, Mount Vernon, Illinois, almost the same creature. But if you look at the local study, they say mass hysteria. Again, I leave it up to you. This is the Cryptid Journalist, and I just want to thank you for listening to my podcast. We would absolutely love to have suggestions if you have local cryptids that have been in historical archives, even if it's recent or back to the 1870s. We'll look it up and see what the newspaper says. We're going to try to get a new podcast out pretty soon, but tell us what you think. Tell us what you like. We're on Facebook. Uh, Spotify is the best place to listen to us, but podcasts should be available on whatever account and whatever service you have. So have a great cryptid day. This is the Cryptid Journalist signing off.